I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about the Handmaid's Tale. We are fresh out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. We Blessed be the fruit. So we are season three, episode eight, Unfit. And girl, I was so excited when I saw Aunt Lydia as the thumbnail in I was street too. clothes. Yeah, she was in street clothes. And I was like, is this the long freaking awaited aunt lydia episode and it is if you're listening to this now you already know (laughs) it is it is it was the long-awaited aunt lydia (laughs) backstory episode before we dive into this which we have many thoughts on let's give a shout out to our venmo patrons if you want to donate to us to help keep our podcast going it's venmo.com slash red all over and we have some shout outs this week Shout it out to Annie Ho, hey ho, I think you're great. Christina Klein, I'm inclined to thank you for donating. Crystal Nanavati, longtime listener, longtime donator. Crystal, you are just a delight and a half. I don't know if anyone told you today. Here's your sign. Uh, off Anonymous, who wanted to be kept anonymous. Hey, you know who you are, BB. I hope you're having a great day. I love your smile. Uh, Amy Wolkov, oh. I want to take you into an alcove and have a long chat with you and just share your life. Lacey Harder. Uh, Lacey Harder, I think that you look great today and you are just a gem of a person. Daniel Montague. Oh, boy, I would definitely fight against another family to win your favor. That's right. That's a Romeo and Julie reference. Daniel Montague, I think you're awesome. Philip Helge. Oh, you are just the bee's stinking knees, and I hope you know that. Have a great, great day today, Philip Helge. Uh, and one Twitter shout out to a redhead named Becca, who uh, says she's been using um, old episodes of Red All Over to get this feral cat in her neighborhood used to human voices. Hashtag chill, not trill. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> Good job, and shout out to Evie the cat. Evie, oh, you're so cute. Oh, you're doing so good. Who's a pretty girl? Who's a pretty girl? I love you. I love you. I love you. Evie, I have a lot of respect for you, so I'm not going to talk down to you. Also, I have a cat allergy, so, you know, I have to love you from ours. I have to love you at arm's length. <laughs> so if you want to participate in this conversation, you can follow Kelly on Twitter at Kelly Anakin. You can follow Molly on Twitter at Serious Molly. And you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Red All Over. All right. That's all their community stuff. Let's get going. So season three, episode eight, Unfit. Let's unpack this title first off. Well, it could refer to the fact that I have not worked out in quite some time. (laughs) Yeah. So it could be that. And my feet hurt. Oh, no. When I get up in the morning. Well, it's it's okay. I've just like artificially shortened my calf muscles and it's fine. Cool. Okay. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so you're right. It could refer to that. I think if you think about it, it's the only answer. <laughs> and I also skipped yoga to be here today, too. So it might refer to that, too. Um, Any hoozle. I think it is about who gets to be a mother. I think that's correct. So I think that is, in all honesty. Okay. Well, that's option likely. B, I feel like. So it, <laughs> Who gets to be a mother? And truly, I think it could be interesting, like, who gets to decide that is Mm -hmm. sort of a secret question in this episode, too. So let's look at this through that lens as we go on. I had so many problems with this episode. Mm -hmm. 
let's I mean let's just dive in okay. I just oh I had fun but I also wanted problems. to love it and I can't right. so, woo, so I mean welcome to my world <laughs> <laughs> we open on a scene where a handmaid is giving birth or is attempting to give birth and we learn this is of andy which i honestly think is the silliest man name we've had in it show. has it's very close to of kyle uh <laughs> which is my fantasy shout out to commander kyle i see you bb <laughs> i got the eye imagery this time ah? i got it i think it was because i was sitting next to you while you're watching this maybe it's <laughs> entirely possible i think it was just by osmosis it was uh-huh. like kelly symbolism <laughs> <laughs> But it was neat because we go through this scene of of Andy giving birth. We can vaguely see the wives sort of doing their pantomime in the background. But she's surrounded by handmaids. And the handmaids are doing a very Dexter's Laboratory, do your breathing sort of (gasps) chant around her that we've genuinely not seen before, I don't think. Diddy! (laughs) Do your breathing, do your breathing, do your breathing. (laughs) AKA the best episode of Dexter's Laboratory. Anywho, we go through this montage of oh uh, june is talking about the martha who we named kimberly because we didn't know her name and her name is francis so we apologize francis for thinking your name was kimberly played by an actress named ordina stevens ordina we see you we loved your performance uh taken from us too soon tbh really yeah and june is sort of reminiscing on what her life was like and And how she knows this she's making it up like i don't know like i guess she could have like seen a file i don't but know how why would she be privy to that information? look my first note because june is at the birth she is not helping which will be a theme for the whole episode because i guess now june just stands in picturesque spots and waits for the camera to zoom up inside that bonnet literally fuck you june yeah fuck you june yeah. kimberly died for your sins yeah and you have had no fucking consequences just and then. i thought perhaps in this episode titled unfit mm-hmm. that maybe just maybe june was gonna face some motherfucking consequences spoiler alert <laughs> she don't she really don't. She really <laughs> do not have any consequences. So once she's done with that sort of uh, listing of Francis's credits, we see the scene of people like... <laughs> Can't you just say listing Francis's credits? Yeah, like, she's like, this also... Is just for last new faces showcase in Montreal. Also, she was in Urinetown because, spoiler, if you read any pro- program, everyone was in Urinetown at one point. <laughs> I have never seen or heard you're in town. Me neither, but I just know it from every bio. I don't like scat, you know? Yeah, I can only imagine that's what that plays about. Like, I don't like, like, I'm not into, you know, water sports. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Boy, I bet you didn't expect this in this recap. Hashtag chill, not trail. Then we go through this little montage of sort of the handmaids bullying Carol. Leave Carol alone. (laughs) Chris Crocker style. They're being so awful to her it is really dumb i hate the writing choice to make them gang up on her when honestly they've seen that june is the author of all this june honestly when is the last time june did a cool thing for anybody never honestly for herself like let's be honest it's not like anything june has done has really done anything for her except forget 
Hicole out of Gilead, but she does not appear to even remember that Hicole exists. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really struggling to understand why they made the choice that the handmaids like June. Because truly, June yeah, is Yeah, remember shit when up. Alma got her arm burnt on the stove? Yeah. Like, remember all of the fuck. Remember when they had to be out in the rain? Uh, holding the rocks because June was the one who decided yeah. not to kill Janine. Yeah. In what universe is being angry at Carol for ratting out June's misdeeds that got a wholly separate third person killed? I know. This makes no sense. I just don't understand it. And I, I just, yeah, I don't get it. And I, I, you know, if I'm really, really stretching, maybe it's they're like, well, they don't want to be here and June is the one that's like vocal about not wanting to be here so maybe June is like a rebellious hope figure but, look, but she's again, not Alma is the fucking shit man Alma is cool as a goddamn cucumber Ugh. she has all the best intel yeah. and the bitch doesn't get caught Ugh, justice for Alma seriously so they're all really mean to Carol and I hate it Um, so but also you know what though stop letting Janine be at the bedside of births like janine has proven herself to be crackers bananas no no no, molly what i don't think it's fair if june isn't getting punished why should janine be punished why should anyone be punished (laughs) everyone's fit they should have called this episode everybody's fit they should have called this episode fab fit fun (laughs) use the code red all over to say oops we're not advertising for them anymore (laughs) never mind um I mean, those boxes were tight, though. Those were toy. <laughs> I, listen, I still would. Um, no, I'm like, look, purely, like, this is just a recommendation at this point. Like, get yourself a FabFitFun box. They were fab and fun. Yeah. Then So June pops off to Aunt Lydia, and Aunt Lydia is like, go wait in the car. Well, and- but before that, Aunt Lydia goes up to her and says, Tell oh, your yeah. friends to cool it. I love and that. And I loved it. And I was like, thank you, Aunt Lydia. Thank How you. the fuck show have you managed to make? And this is not like me having a complicated feeling about my problematic fave. I'm like, no, Aunt Lydia's right. Like, yeah. Full stop. Yeah. I love the kind of language that she uses. She's like, all the time when she talks to handmaids, it's so like your gym teacher talking yeah. to you. Well, <laughs> like, and, and you like, but like also, Aunt Lydia, you're in charge. You tell them to cool it. Smack a bitch. Well, she does. So she <sighs> she attempts to in the Rachel, Rachel and Leah Center gym. R.I.P. the really pretty Rachel and Leah Center. Like, yeah. I'm sure it would have been really expensive to shoot in or whatever, but <laughs> but mainly like R.I.P. Lily, you know, yeah. like the human cost. Truly. Uh, I think that they are sort of throwing it back to the book where they make people stand up and they point and they yell at them. They're actually all seated. Yeah. Which I felt like Gilead's going soft, yo. Put them on their knees. Don't give them a cushion. Come on. I hate that this show has gone on so long. I'm rooting for torture just to have something interesting happen. That's like, honestly, everybody's like, oh no, Gilead made me this way. Gilead made me this way. All right. Gilead made me like sit on your sidebar. Yeah. Yeah. Another reason this episode really suffers for me, like apart from the Aunt Lydia flashbacks, we get nothing from our friends in Canada. And I just think like anytime we're only in Gilead, I am bored AF because nothing new under the sun ever happens in Gilead. Truly, truly. So they start by sort of 
you know, yelling at June. And June has like a very smug, like, I said something shitty to the teacher face. Like, that Cincinnati kid in Washington, like who was a dick to that Native American dude. Like <gasps> she, she is, is full on that kid. I did not gonna say his I name. I didn't know that was a Cincinnati kid. That must uh, have been well, such a blow for you. <laughs> huh, no, bitch. I'm like, yeah, finally people know. Um actually Covington, which is oh, okay. technically Cincinnati. Look, it's very complicated when you grow up in a city that borders a river and also Kentucky. Wow, I have I have a similar thing. We we border Lakewood. It's, it's you know See, and uh, <laughs> we're from, we're literally from two different worlds. I'm like, but, what do you say? But she has you're right, she has that look of like smug fuck you It's the entitlement. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. it's the entitlement mm-hmm. that caused me to write OMG fuck you June like most of my notes about June are just fuck you at this point because it's like okay remember when you were all like resist and like at least when she was being a douche with all those Marthas it seemed like there was some sort of higher purpose and I mean then she states explicitly later even though I don't think it's earned that she's like like I want to watch people suffer and I'm like okay like you listened to one Marilyn Manson song and it was Sweet Dreams, which is just a remake of a rhythmic song. So like you're not even fucking goth, June. And then you listen to another Marilyn Manson, but it was just the This Is Halloween cover. So all you've listened to are Marilyn Manson covers. So don't call yourself a goth. OK. <laughs> I also love that like we're like Marilyn Manson I'm like I don't even know who goths listen to <laughs> especially not contemporary goths uh, do they like Lana Del Rey no I think Lana Del Rey is kind of like on the cusp of like goth and and like pop music so okay. I, could, I truly could not tell I don't you. know um, redheads if anyone's a goth <laughs> or has historically been a goth where's my goth redheads at <laughs> then June in full snitches get stitches mode is like, um, I have something to report, Aunt Lydia. And it's just like, what now? Fucking what now? And she rats on Carol, which I honestly don't even think is narratively motivated. Like, I don't actually think Carol ever questioned whether she wanted to have the She baby. never said it out loud. And she... And oh, Aunt Lydia, who's your source? The most yeah. unreliable fucking handmaid in Gilead? Well, I think what you're supposed to get from that is that Aunt Lydia is not here for the girls. She's here for the future of Gilead, but she's more granularly, she's here for the babies. Yeah. So anybody who snitches in the uh, pursuit of saving a baby, that's her real goal. But it doesn't fucking matter. What's Carol going to do? Yeah. Even if you throw yourself down the stairs out by the wall, that's no guarantee you're going to miscarry. And she's so well behaved otherwise. Like, this requires Aunt Lydia to act real stupid. And yeah, she can be myopic and short-sighted and, like, not really hear, like, these cries for help. But at this point, June is nothing but a cry for help. Like, I don't understand, like... Yes, the shaming and like this whole thing that they're doing in the circle is a big part of the handmaid training, but you don't use the same hammer on different people, you know, like what she would do to June, in my opinion, would be different than what she does to Carol. Like they're two very different people and how they engage with the world, which I think is what we're meant to understand from what happens with Carol. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, 
I was like, was she just trained yesterday? Like, all of this seems pretty tame by handmade spirit-breaking standards. I mean, granted, pregnancy hormones are no joke. Yeah. Also, though, like, fuck you, June. Like, seriously, she they spit in her water. Like, you got her, I guess. No, and it's just like, are they really trying to make us hate June? Because that is the only thing I can think here. Yeah. Like, if if my choice is, like, oh, we're not going to kill June, so we're just going to make her reprehensible. And again, and I mentioned this in the last episode, what part of this episode is pointing us toward hope or inspiration? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, this is awful. And this is now episode eight. This is episode eight. So, so we, we are have, over halfway yeah, through the season. We only have five more of Lord. this season. Lord, it, it and it's like they still haven't announced if they're going to renew it or not, which and gives it's me like, hope. <laughs> right? And well, I mean, just at but the time even, of recording, at, at the, the time, time of recording, recording. but like, whew, like, regardless of whether this is going to have to be a third season that winds up functioning as a season finale or as a series finale, or this is like they went into it knowing this was going to be a series finale, mm-hmm. like. It just like really in five episodes, you're going to come up with something somewhat satisfactory. I will say they have been trending upwards for me since the DC episode. And I liked parts of this episode a lot, but you're right. It just has, it's just very disappointing overall. I so, re- no, I really liked like the DC episode and then um, the one immediately following it. So basically mm-hmm. the two right before this. That's what I'm saying. Trending upwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this one, I mean, this yeah. one tanked for me. Yeah. Like, well, this one tanked hard. Okay. Anyway, sorry. We are editorializing <laughs> and we should be recapping. Um, should we? I mean, I feel like we do both. That's what the podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. is. But it's a balance. All right. The next one is sort of a flashback to Aunt Lydia pre-Gilead in school and I think what's funny is it sort of plays with our notion of Aunt Lydia in the very beginning because you know any other time in this show when Aunt Lydia has been pacing and asking questions it's been a very sinister (gasps) thing that's a good point I didn't even think about that so I think they want us to be a little scared right off the bat but they make it clear very in quick succession that she's being silly billy with this little boy Mm -hmm. in her classroom and I also I further want you to think about the sort of juxtaposition of this little boy is sitting on a fucking circle in the middle of the floor. Oh my God. So if that ain't a reference. You know I hate thinking Lincoln, (laughs) but you got me. (laughs) Well, great. Uh, So anyway, so she is in the school. Her hair is down and Dowd is so pretty. She's so beautiful. This, all of these flashbacks to me read as this beautiful love letter to Anne Dowd from the writers. And they're like, we are going to give her like, a makeover we're gonna mm-hmm. let her get a little something something we're gonna get her an edible arrangement in the club <laughs> but she's just God, i mean like honestly like this is like it's like hard to like say this succinctly on a podcast but i was just like oh my god like because Anne dowd is beautiful like i'm so beautiful Aww. like it's so cool that is nice um, yeah I like that. Yeah. I can only hope that in the five episodes remaining, hopefully of this show, they give Bruegel the same treatment. If we get through this thing and we do not get a Bruegel backstory. I I will say it does. I will storm Canada. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I do know Bruegel to ha- to like have been busy with other projects during I this mean, time. The girl is working, so so good for her. But I would really love a, a Bruegel episode. So we're in the school. And she's playing twenty questions with this little tiny BB. So her last name is Clements, mm-hmm. and. We know that her first name is Lydia, so they're not doing what they did in the book, where all of the aunts had the name of like oh. some oh that's product. A <laughs> so they're that's such a good point. Sad news for Aunt Cholula fans: she is no more. That is so funny. That I mean, I guess it makes sense because they didn't really introduce that bit of world building into the books, and it's just another thing to keep track mm-hmm. of. And truly, oh yeah, I don't think you gain it. Like I yeah. think it's dumb in the book, honestly. <laughs> well, it just doesn't age well because yeah, it's like it's like a very are. dated reference for someone. You know, we didn't know what Aunt Lydia was supposed to be. Yeah, Aunt, uh, Aunt Don, we got Aunt Comet, we got. <laughs> But I don't we, know that they would do Comet. That's more of a reindeer. Comet would be such a funny first name for a person. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, is that a challenge? <laughs> somewhere some shitty young adult writer is like, it would be. Oh, I was thinking more like, Kelly, why did you change your mind to decide to have babies? Because I wanted to name it Comet. Girl, if I said something to you one day that made you suddenly want to have kids, I would like buy myself dinner for years <laughs> if i could convince anyone to have kids and be happy with their decision honestly a win for me so we get the impression by the principal coming in that this is way after hours at P the school to the s what that principal is a snack and a half <laughs> he is a meal look this episode if nothing else it was like kelly Mm, just you wait until you can be middle-aged and in love. Aww. I'm so stoked. That's going to be fun. So we find out that it's 6.15 because uh-huh. the security guard comes by and is mm. like, it's 6.15, like everybody has to go. Yeah. And so like we get from Aunt Lydia to the principal. What was, did he, we get his name? I'm sure we did. We I did at some point. It. Did I write it down? Um, no, I was too busy writing down Lydia Clemens and then the Hebrews 13.2 yeah. verse. So... She's talking to the principal, and he is played, played by John Ortiz. John Ortiz. So John, I'm not middle aged yet, but I'm getting older every day. <laughs> That's what I love about middle aged ladies. <laughs> they keep aging. End of sentence. <laughs> anyway, so she's saying that this little boy, you know, his mom sent him to school with a bag of potato chips for his lunch, yes. and she's always late picking him up. Yeah, and we're like, uh oh, like I mean, and just I mean, this whole episode starting here, I was like, something bad's gonna happen. No, nothing good. I was like, some call it a sling blade. <laughs> <laughs> No, you don't, Oprah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a 30 Rock joke. Um, and she quotes, like I said, Hebrews 13.2, which is, uh, for thereby some have entertained angels. So you kind of potentially feel hopeful that she's going to like turn this family around, but we always know that's not well. the case. So she claims that she's going to take this BB home, fix him with some chili, and then, oh no, his mom comes back to pick him up. And she is just, she is a mess. Mm-hmm. She's a mess. She, you might remember her as Suzanne's girlfriend from the most recent season of Orange is the New Black, I think. No. I Was it the season before? Four seasons behind. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> So who knows how she ends up? I know. Last no, I, I no. Her. I've watched all of the seasons for oh. some reason. Okay, I don't know why I keep going. Anyway, so she's in this, and she's pretty good. Um, <laughs> so, 
We're so sorry. Aunt Lydia throws real shade at the notion that they would have fast food for dinner. And so she invites them home. Well, and not only that, the son, whose name is Ryan, the mm-hmm. mom's name is Noel. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, I'm going to pick something up. And he's like, not McDonald's two days in a row. And she's like, snitches get stitches. AKA the opposite of me as a child, but go on. Right? I was like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Anyway, anyway I guess if you come from like a difficult home. Of course. Of course. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I was a very privileged child. Yeah. Aunt Lydia decides maybe this Noel is an angel after all also. So mm. she invites them both back for chili. And like, incidentally, chili, the way to my heart. And you make a great chili. And my fart. <laughs> I, yep, do, exactly. I do make a, I make several great chilies. <laughs> I'm a woman of many chilies. Oh, um, oh. Did somebody say chilies? <laughs> I, Fuck off. <laughs> I said that to myself. Fuck off I, myself. <laughs> I, uh, I will scan in the pregnancy cookbook recipe for three bean vegetarian chili and we can post it on Facebook. Great. It's real good. So anyway, they're back at Shay Lydia. We get sort of the interesting intel that Lydia was married before. And she just says it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. We don't get any additional context. So combine this with what we know about Aunt Lydia's pre-Gilead life is that she had a sister who had a baby who died. And this baby was Aunt Lydia's nephew and she was his godmother. Okay. So just interesting. Let's, if we're making our dossier on Aunt Lydia, that's just something to add. And so we get the impression that Ryan's mom has been working as like a cocktail waitress Mm -hmm. in something low cut and she deals with assholes, AKA men. Ha ha. And Aunt Lydia, of course, disapproves. And she gives her advice. Mm -hmm. You know, because basically Noelle is saying, oh, thank God Ryan has you because he's just stuck with me. And she's like, well, you could be better. Yeah. And Noelle's like, huh, literally no one has believed in me before. (laughs) (laughs) What I think is interesting is this interaction gives me so much insight into why Aunt Lydia delights in her role as an aunt, because she literally and physically gets to control bad women, which is what I'm sure if she could like ghost into this woman right now and be like i will make every single decision for you you will do everything i say that would be her dream because she she thinks that her way is the best way yeah and i wish that came through more in the backstory honestly like Mm. the whole thing kind of hinges in the same way of the main plot it all hinges on a reversal that i don't 100 percent buy like I feel like they they tried to skip a bunch of steps. We'll get to that uh, when you we know get what? there. That's a great point. Hold that thought. Because it's like I like I would have loved to see okay, so we know that she's religious, but like what church is she going to? Interesting. Like it's very unclear to me mm-hmm. how far removed are we from Gilead at the point of this flashback. Ooh, yeah, hard to say. And it's like is it draconian for them to take this child away from his mother? Because it's like Gilead, like have jokes the- on you. It's 1985. <laughs> Gilead wouldn't start for another 20 years. <laughs> she was just a bitch the whole time. <laughs> no, and be- she looks great for me. That but, like you see what I mean, though, yes, right? I like, I mean, just because it does seem like a bit much. The next scene is like a little, I think, kind of a nothing scene in the Red Center when she's like dismissing. The girls. When, every, when she goes up to every single one is just saying, sashay away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and then she, she thanks June for cluing her in about um, Carol. 
I also want to be very clear that I spent the vast majority of this episode willing Aunt Lydia to lay a straight up cattle prod beat down on June. Honestly. And that's again, this show made me this show. Jesus Christ. I am sitting here rooting Mm -mm. for Elizabeth Moss to get her ass kicked. I know. Gilead fucked me up. (laughs) So the next scene is at the Lawrence house. Uh, One thing worth noting here is I read an interesting interview with Bradley Whitford where he said he specifically requested that his character wear a scarf all the time to show that he's kind of obscuring part of himself. Mm, Interesting. thought that was interesting. Wow, acting. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, he really, he did that. No, so he's like, he's like tending to... No, no. Isn't this, she comes in, right? She comes in. And she's and like, she's hey, like, yeah. hey, you need to tell me where the McKenzie's went. And he's like, I don't know where they went. I don't know anybody who knows where they went. Don't ask me again. Also, I don't need to tell you. I don't know where you, why you think you have leverage with me. Go, in, go to your room. And yeah. then she really pulls a me in high school and goes super emo and is just like staying up at night. Upside down on her bed. Scraping her fingernail, which you know I hate. I know you hate that. On And I was like, why is your carpet so fucking dusty? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they don't have vacuums in Gilead. Um, <laughs> so then Sienna comes in and is like, oh, shit, you're awake. Also, the birth mobile is here. You got to go. Okay. Because oh, we didn't mention before, of Andy's contractions stopped. Yeah, which to me was a red flag. I know. Me too. Anytime somebody's in labor and their contractions stop, I'm like, that's not good. Which like I, that's I, your body being like, oh, shut it down. <laughs> Which I think is probably a lot of moms are going to email us me like, no, 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 that's like a thing. You know, honestly, I do wonder about this a lot watching mm-hmm. this show mm-hmm. because I do think they take a lot of really excessive liberties with mm-hmm. the characters and the plotting. Mm-hmm. But it's just like I don't have any kids, so like I don't know. Like, is that a thing? But, like, there are definitely parts of this show where I'm like... No, no, no. I fully acknowledge that a lot of times when we're making sweeping generalizations about what June would or wouldn't do, we are making it as two childless people. Yeah. Uh, so we that don't have that perspective. <laughs> so they go into the house... Of Andy. Of Andy. And of we Andy. Have a, uh, we have a beautiful, beautiful above shot of like the stacked like Neapolitan ice cream of colors where we got the wives on the outermost, the 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 birthing birth mother, couple. the birthing yeah, uh, in white in the middle, and then the handmaids on the outer side in red. Another, I would say, I reference. Yeah, I mean, I think because they were in not exactly the same formation, but it was like. Very similar in the first uh, scene. I will say the overhead shots this season have been alarmingly gorgeous. Um, well, they thought that they were leasing the crane, but it turned out actually they bought, <laughs> they bought the crane it. and they were like, we're getting our money's worth, boys. They truly had to. MGM said we had to. And then, unfortunately, the baby is born and it is stillborn. Yeah. And it looks like the umbilical cord was wrapped around the baby's neck. Now, I'm not a midwife, but I think there is something interesting and symbolic that the baby was literally born hanging. Oof. And also uh, had its throat obscured, a la Whitford. Yes. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's symbolism. Whitford also requested that this be- <laughs> this baby needs to have something covering He's it. He's like, I really feel like this baby is very symbolic of me. But think about this, though, because we've seen births before. 
And I think there's even been mention of shredders before, and we've never genuinely never no, seen a dead I baby. I felt pretty strongly. I mean, a there was like the foreshadowing of the contraction stopping, and I was like, "This doesn't sound great." And then there just I just had this very gut feeling. I was like, "We've seen too many successful live births." Yeah. Um, do which you- is really again, I can't believe that's a statement I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, um, show. <laughs> now, this is a world building question for you. Do you think that aunts get midwifery training? Because they're the only person of authority that's ever at these births. I'm and- certain that they do. Okay, because like- I thought later in the episode when they mentioned that Aunt Lydia had another career, I thought for sure they're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, she was a doula. But no. So uh, we have these relative layman's in there mm-hmm. with the most precious resource ever. And that seems like sloppy world building. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they have to have that training. Yeah. But how but, much I mean, again, could you possibly have under the duress of dystopia? Yeah. No. And again, but also like, you know, they, you know, I don't know that. Yeah. Anyway. For any reason. So, and I mean, also, like, regardless, like, my else let someone have these babies die. Well, yeah. You know, seriously. like, you're, you know, you're separating. I mean, then they have medical care. They have hospitals. Even. I was honestly really surprised that they didn't send of Andy to the hospital when her contractions stopped. Totally. I know. It, it's very odd. And I think this is just something, again, where this suffers from drawing this out so much is that we have so much time to question things like this yeah that really Um, like it's not like the book the book doesn't have to get into it because the book has a fixed point where it ends Mm -hmm. and you're just like whoa (laughs) i i would love if like maggie ad spends whole chapters of testaments addressing like user feedback and like oh uh, this is why in vitro is not a thing. <laughs> this is what uh, econo people are like. There's whole chapters that are just her being like, anyway, let me take a second. I've created a new character who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And his name is Commander Bruce Miller. Get it? <laughs> Get it? <laughs> I, you know what? I would not put it past her to put some goofy shit Look, like that. Honestly, in I'd like, be into it. As we all know. And I'm not saying this just for self aggrandizement. As we all know, Maggie Atz is a Scorpio. I feel like the fact that they put in the press release deliberately like, oh, this has nothing to do with the show. Uh, no, nothing at all. I also like how um, we... They'll never see me coming. <laughs> We've gotten some feedback that um, you can't tell our voices apart on this recording. And somebody very helpfully wrote in. They're like, okay, here's how you break it down. Kelly is the one who always says she's a Scorpio and Molly is the one that sighs. <laughs> I like the other one that was like, you can tell us apart because Kelly will say something completely ludicrous. And then Molly goes, oh, boy. <laughs> we love you all as our fans. The next scene is she goes back to J-Law's. Oh, no, no, no. I want to just shout out this beautiful, beautiful shot of the huddle of handmaids yeah. all over of Andy. And they completely cover her, which is just gorgeous and heartbreaking. And once again, June, because she's so emo and goth, <laughs> she does not initially join them. She goes to look at the baby and she's got this very like detached we need to talk about Kevin thing going on. <laughs> and this aunt comes over and says, go join your sisters. And June's expression is like, I'm an only child. <laughs> so she does eventually go over with them. But, you know, it's really rough. And one person who's also not involved is of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Of Matthew has seen this baby born dead. And it's very upsetting to her, clearly. And I mean, we didn't really get into this, but they really laid into her 
during the shaming circle in a way that was so wholly inappropriate. And she admits in that, that the reason that she was having these doubts, which LOL, I just don't think happened. The reason she was having these doubts was because she felt like she was having a girl and she's seen what girls do in Gilead. And to me, that was like, uh oh, we're on set. We have to just we have to hit home this point about girls not having a good time I, in Gilead. I thought it was just that she said she had had two boys and she thought this woman was a girl, so maybe it was different. Like I just thought because like you hear women talk about like carrying a boy feels different from carrying no, a girl. No, I know, but then she says the reason I'm worried about having a girl is because girls don't do well. Like she said, not in Ugh. so many words, but okay. she did like drive it home, which is I- interesting. But I think to me, it was just like, they're like, oh, man, we don't have enough points of reference to really drive home that Gilead is bad for girls. Really? Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Whatever, she's distraught. She leaves. The next scene is in J-Law's house. He's like, how did it go? She goes, it went bad. And, he- and then they have the completely <laughs> ridiculous premise that Emos is good for bertha emos is good for no one at this point i I like i guess we see bertha coming out of her shell a little bit but i don't truly think any of that is it's like a clock being right twice a day (laughs) like you know what i mean like yeah. It wouldn't matter if it was her or if it was somebody else. It's so weird. You know, I, it would have been a lot more interesting if this dynamic had happened with her and Emily. In my opinion. Sure. Just yeah. because June has become this just wildly unpredictable, like, ricochet <sighs> yeah. person. The other thing that I thought in these scenes at J-Law's house, maybe it's so dark in Gilead <laughs> because they're green and they always have to keep the lights off. <laughs> maybe. Because it's real dark in the house. It surely is. So then June has the other ridiculous premise that this world is killing Bertha Rochester, which is just like, nah, I don't know. And I feel like they keep saying that and it just doesn't make it true. It reminds me of that. There was a commercial for the Lifetime original movie about the life of Britney Snow. Uh, No, not Britney Snow. Britney Murphy. Not Britney Snow. Starring a college uh, classmate of mine's husband. Whoa. As Britney Murphy's husband. Yeah. Famous. Well, speaking of. Shout out to you, Lisa and Eric. (laughs) So in the trailer of this Britney Murphy biopic, they have all of this press talking about Britney Murphy's death, which LOL, they didn't. And then (laughs) It's like Jesus a price shots fire. A press conference with her husband, and they're like, Mr. Murphy, Mr. Murphy, who killed her? Who killed her? And he goes, You did. <laughs> with the premise that Brittany Murphy was constantly hounded by the paparazzi, which she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, wasn't she just wasn't it just black mold? Yes. I have spread that rumor. Apparently that has also been just true. But there was some like respiratory thing. Yeah, but they were like this the premise of this trailer was like Britney Murphy was the Marilyn Monroe of our generation. And it's like I love Britney Murphy um, very much. No. But you know what? <laughs> Lindsay Lohan as Liz Taylor oh. was the Marilyn Monroe oh. of our generation. R.I.P. her Mykonos Club. <laughs> we never did get our Kickstarter together to fund our trip. We're so sorry. Anyway. Lindsay, I think our patronage could have really turned it around for you. I know. So we end this sort of scene with Emos against a mirror. They love mirror imagery this season. I also want to say, because she lays into him about his wife, and he kind of just takes it with characteristic, you know, J-Law equanimity. equanimity. You did a great job. Yeah, thank you. 
And he didn't yell at her in the previous episode for taking her out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get in the previously on him yelling at her about like, do not presume to talk to me about Two my wife. episodes ago. Yeah. And I'm, and then he's like, no, absolutely presume to talk to me about my wife. And then she like lays into him. And then he's like, oh, I bet that felt good. And then he leaves. But I'm also like, June, Bertha Rochester was bipolar before Gilead. Yeah. Like, this is not situational. It may not be great for her. Yeah. I know that we really want to hammer home this point that Gilead is bad for women. But like, I, you know, it just seems so I don't under, I don't understand if J-Law's keeping her there because there's some stigma or like we also, just we just don't understand why she's a recluse. And also, like, what does she, what is she proposing that she goes to Canada where she'll be by herself like oh god you. you know i even forgot that that was the whole point of the thing where she was like send her to canada it's really silly i don't like that exchange at all so let's move on to the next which is <laughs> actually a dynamic i do like which is aunt lydia at the aunt's meeting uh where they have a lazy susan oh full of god. files but it also has a decanter of red red wine lazy susan is what they call any handmaid who is not getting pregnant uh, So they're sort of going through the dossiers and talking about different handmaids. And what's interesting, again, I hate to be this guy. JK, I love to be this guy. (laughs) The aunts all use the women's real names. And I assume this is for expedience because they might be between dudes. Exactly. Well, Uh, and it's just like it gets confusing. Although she does say of Joseph. Yeah. So I think it is like, God, can you imagine? They must have like a serial killer board like no other. <laughs> because she does talk about like, we never had any problems with off Joseph before the Waterfords. I'm yeah. like, she wasn't really anywhere else that long, was she? She was at another post. Yeah. In the book, at least. Yeah. Well, um, I guess she was fine. Yeah. You know, she is talking basically about like nature versus nurture. And like her whole point is like, of Matthew is so good and so pious. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, team Carol. <laughs> so into Carol. Well, it's interesting. Interesting that they kind of turn this conversation around to be like the Lawrences are bad influences. Because her point, I thought, was that the Waterfords were bad. I thought so, too. And then when they uh, 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 the lazy Susan around, it's a picture of the Lawrences. And she makes mention of the Lawrences had Emily, but she says the Lawrences had Lily. Which I didn't realize. No, I think she was talking about her walking partners. Because we never heard Lily was off Glenn. Okay. And we never met Glenn. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Duh. Okay. Thank you. Oh, um, you know what's funky? Mm. There's a character named Glenn in uh, Oryx and Creek. <laughs> I mean, it's not the same person. Like, at all. you know. Anyway. I think Maggie Atz just likes that name and wants Glenn. to put it in. I feel like Maggie Atz is the kind of lady who just, like, wanders around and just says, you know what name I like? You know what name you don't hear that often anymore? Glenn. Glenn. I love it. So they are kind of making the point that some change needs to be made in terms of of Joseph. Then we get the flashback of Christmas with Ryan and Noel and pre-Gilead Aunt Lydia. (laughs) She gives Ryan a book. I couldn't make out what book it was. I couldn't either. And I couldn't tell. I thought maybe it was like a notebook. I had no idea. Oh, man. We could go on about how much we dislike notebooks as gifts. Yeah, really do. (laughs) Uh, I got another one recently. (laughs) I'm like, great. (laughs) more paper (laughs) you know ryan's like is it an ipad and she does the fucking thing where she's like that's what we had before ipads okay so it can't be 1985 (laughs) (laughs) no ipad just meant a different thing in 1985 (laughs) we called those a simon says yeah yeah yeah. oh no no it was a simon yeah yeah oh i'm Uh, sorry a simon a simon says was the thing where you that was before you pulled the lever and it was like the cow says (laughs) 
So then they give Aunt Lydia a present, which we we were like, "What is this?" Wildly debated. Because I what was it like, was. "Is it like a Match.com gift card? <laughs> is it a vibrator? Like, what is this?" Because like the whole conversation <laughs> is like, "You need to get back out there." Turns out it was the Kim Kardashian West neutral palette, <laughs> which is nice because that's a high end big ticket item. Okay, and so you picked up on a vibe in this scene, right? Like yeah. a lesbian vibe. Yeah. And I kind of did. I was really hoping they wouldn't go in that direction. Me too. Because it feels really... I hate the narrative of the closeted gay person is a sadist. Yeah. Because, A, I've known a lot of closeted gay people (laughs) in Ohio. Uh Um, And they're usually not sadists, as far as I know. But... It's just, it's such lazy storytelling. It's very yeah. Well, it would be the same as like, oh, this closeted gay person is a pedophile. Yeah. I it's agree. like, no, pedophiles are just pedophiles. Like, yeah. that's just. I agree. And the only reason I was picking up on this vibe is because I picked up a few seasons ago when June is in the bathtub and like washing yeah. her vagina and, and Aunt Lydia is watching closely. I don't know what that is. No, I know. But the, the vibe was here and like, they don't go anywhere with it yeah. in this episode. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like, are we just trained? Like, anytime women have this, like, intimacy. I don't know if we're the problem or not. We may very Um, well be the problem. I also liked this reminded me of a video that came out this week of Kim Kardashian showing her grandma, MJ, how to use body foundation. And it was really funny because this lady is clearly just very, very supportive. (laughs) Which is so cute. Like, I don't think she will ever use this foundation. But she's like, wow. I love a supportive G-Ma, man. Shout out to you, MJ. So she puts makeup on her and next shot is of the club. I was like, what the fuck? This was like a goth club. Yeah, but it was was also like... I was like, are we at the fucking Jekyll and Hyde restaurant in (laughs) Times Square? Jesus. But it also is serving weird, like kebabs yes well it's it reminds me of there's a restaurant in san francisco where they do like belly dancing and kebabs yeah. and shit like that well, and it might have been like fondue i don't know like it could have been and, like, and whatever like music they were playing it sounded like very industrial like and i was the- like are you at the power exchange like what the <laughs> fuck is this i really wasn't sure what they were trying to do i don't think genuinely they were either because they kept shooting this like very voyeuristic like no they kept it felt it- very much like a sex club <laughs> It was odd. So they kept shooting it from behind beaded curtains, from like behind plants and stuff until it's revealed that Aunt Lydia put on her spangled top. She made the effort and she's meeting the principal of the school for a date. And that's great. And they seem like they're having a great time. Again, seems like such a strange choice of venue for two people who are like presumably both are like really into the Bible. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know what they were trying to convey. It makes slightly more sense when it's revealed that it's New Year's Eve. Yeah, because all bets are off. He gets up there (laughs) and he starts singing Islands in the Stream for karaoke. Mm -hmm. And then he gets her up there because it's a duet. Like literally Molly goes, it's a duet. She's going to have to sing. And then he was like, it's a duet. You have to get up here. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And I really want to find out like if the Handmaid's Tale writer's room does karaoke together because this is Count it, kids. The third karaoke reference we've had this whole season. This whole series, really. So they're really... If this... I swear to God, if this show doesn't end up with a karaoke scene of the entire cast, I will lose my shit. I will lose my shit. I mean, okay. Uh, <laughs> hop to <laughs> writing staff. What's your go-to karaoke song? 
Mine, either Bitch by Meredith Brooks or uh, Criminal by Fiona Apple. That's really fun. So that you know that I'm dark and complicated. There you go. And and similarly, what is yours? I do. Uh, you want to know? I'm a basic <gasps> yeah, ass. Yeah, that's great. Let's move on. So it's New Year's. They do this duet. She is so stinking cute. She's so beautiful. I love it. And Dowd, do you want to be my best friend? Yes. Like, I have also asked character actress Margot Martindale (laughs) the same question, but I can have two best friends. Lovely. The New Year's happens and they kiss very slightly. Yeah. And it was like, it was kind of funky because I thought she was like demurring and I was like, oh, are they like leaning into this lesbian thing? That's what I thought too. But then they're like holding each other on the dance floor and slow dancing and it's so sweet. So then they go home for a nightcap. So she brings in the Baileys. They start macking in front of the Christmas tree. Which This was uh, one of like the hottest consensual sex scenes <laughs> on this show. Wait, like, do you have a list of hottest non-consensual sex scenes? I don't actually. Okay, good. I don't, I, You're not like that one depraved Facebook group about the Handmaid's Tale <laughs> that pretends to be the commander. I love it when Fred does the ceremony. <laughs> no, I, look, because there are so many un- non-consensual sex scenes on the show i did feel the need to clarify okay fair for fair for fair but like whew, yeah aunt lydia goes straight for that dick. she goes like a dick seeking missile right <laughs> <laughs> right there and it's Look, like it's the most important part of the transaction <laughs> she needs to know if it's gonna be a waste of her time oh boy well and that scares him uh and we thought for a slight second because we are perverts I we're guess. not perverts like <laughs> it could happen we thought he came in his pants immediately yeah. but it turns out he came morally in his mind and was like this is moving too fast which you know what i agree she went right claw I, for the dick i felt really unsure about whether he meant it was too soon after his wife died three years ago and also they had done the cardinal mistake of like let's make plans for next christmas and it's like new year's eve (laughs) um never do that it will doom your relationship the way i read this was like they are still very religious like even when they're talking to Mm -hmm. each other on their date he says his the most he's like really ned flandering her because he's like the most i get up to is like sparkling cider mac and cheese in bed by 10 so like they're uh-huh. very tame people yeah. i'm honestly super surprised he came home with her maybe it was just because he just wanted slightly more kissing than what he, they did at yeah. the club but and and think too this is like if his bedtime is 10 this is at least two hours yeah. ahead of his bedtime he's feeling so cranky i think he demurred because it truly is their first date and she's going right to the dick on the first date which listen not lydia I've been there. I'm currently with somebody I had sex with on the first date. So it can work out. Like, but I only have first dates so I can have sex. <laughs> like, but I just think that that was a weird move on her part. It but- was weird. Like, I, I believed it. Yeah. I totally believed because we don't know how long it's been since she has had access, you know? <laughs> But she takes it so hard. I know. I think so. This is the beginning of the turn that I don't totally buy. Like, I don't know enough about the circumstances of her previous relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, baby, he wants to see you again. Yeah. This was not a hard no. This was not like, hey. It was probably, it was probably a hard no, if you know what I mean, which means he's interested. He just has boundaries. Yeah. Um, So he's just setting a boundary and she flips out even before he leaves here's what i think i think some people who have set personal boundaries for themselves of like my religion doesn't want me to do this so when they do it against that judgment 
and then get rebuffed, they're like, oh, fuck. Not only is my moral compass saying this is bad, this person is saying they don't want it. So they it's a compounded sort of embarrassment and like self-flagellation at that point. If you'll excuse me, I need to call my therapist right now. Oh, baby. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, no, but I think you're right. And it actually does. I'm like, wow, that puts, you know, the years of... <laughs> 1997 through <laughs> present day in some context actually it's funny we were talking last episode about call me by your name i just read the book call me by your name and even though it was written by a straight man i think that book a does, straight man <laughs> i think that book does a really good job of expressing sort of the embarrassment of getting sexually rejected because it makes you feel gross it's so awful <laughs> that's why i keep taking mini vaginal sabbaticals <laughs> i'm like i just can't and this is interesting because i wonder if all of the mirror imagery is leading up to this when aunt lydia smashes the mirror with her fist which is a clear reference to the musical tommy <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say uh last episode of twin peaks but <laughs> this works too <laughs> Look, they're both real fucked up. She's saying, where's Annie? But it's about Ann Dowd. <laughs> and it, something interesting I noticed uh, just set building wise is that shot where she's in the bathroom. What are the two colors you see? To the left of her is handmade red. And to the right of her is perfect wife blue. And guess which side she's in? The wife side. Oh, sure. Isn't that interesting? That is amazing. That's, I also think that it may just be they only have two colors of paint <laughs> in the set building department. But. Yeah. I thought that was a neat choice. This happens. Seven years bad luck for Aunt Lydia. She caused the fertility crisis. She caused Gilead because she uh, was too sexually aggressive. You know what? We knew it. (laughs) Now, this is the part. I think we were finally ready to talk about this where sort of the storytelling doesn't justify itself. Mm -hmm. Because last we looked in on Aunt Lydia's relationship with Noelle, Noelle was doing better. Now, Noelle's one ding against her, I think in Aunt Lydia's mind was that she was carrying on with a married man. Yeah. And that bothered her. But in the moment, it didn't seem to bother her. It that didn't much. seem to bother so her that much. It seems so there weird. Was, see, and this is why I don't totally agree that she would have ghosted her and like gone in her body. Like, I think she definitely wanted her to make better choices, mm-hmm. but she was willing to believe that Noelle would eventually make the right choices. Yeah. Now, now that we're talking about it, maybe what we're supposed to think is that like Aunt Lydia is like, oh, my gosh, I, a godly woman, oh. you know, was tempted and I touched a penis. <laughs> if I can't control myself, how can this little dipshit take wow. care of herself? So maybe that's what it's supposed to be. I would have loved. Honestly, this would have played beautifully if we had had just one more scene. I 100% Even agree Even just with you. one more scene of Ryan not getting what he needs from his mother. Totally. Because I, this yeah. reads as, oh, well, I was sexually rejected, so fuck all y'all bitches. I suppose you're right. So, so it could be what we're supposed to get is she's like, uh-oh, I did a bad. I'm going to recommit even harder. But you're right. Let's The scene that I would swap this for is... Take out the scene where she's like dismissing the other handmaids. I don't think that really does anything no. for the plot. And I don't think it's interesting enough to justify leading it in. So take that out and give us a scene where Noel is late just one more time. And yeah. that fucks her up. Exactly. Because that honestly would well, motivate Noelle this. Noel is late or there's something tied in with like Noel's <gasps> sexual life. You know what would have been a good one? What? Call- a callback city is if she was playing with Ryan and he accidentally said a swear. Yeah. Because they mention in one of the first Noel scenes that Noel swears, and she's like, "Don't worry, I've never heard Ryan say that." So if like it's one thing where he pushes a kid on the playground, he's like, "You're an asshole," just because kids are weird. I see you and raise you. 
Ryan says, fuck. <laughs> Aunt Lydia's like, where did you hear that? And he's like, from mommy's friend Warren. <laughs> yeah. Married man that. says, fuck. Oh, shit. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I'm not saying hire us as TV writers, but like hire us as TV writers. I mean, at least hire Molly. Thanks, like, babe. I'm feeling good where I'm at. Okay. But like... I am raging against my day job. Yeah. I want a comedy job so bad. Seriously, or a TV writing somebody job. somebody hire Molly to write for TV. Like, and come on. Who? I think we've done enough Aww. for the community. Babe. Um, something that we missed in the Lazy Susan scene that mm-hmm. I wanted to call attention to. There's a handmade... Well, they're trying to place for a couple... Mm-hmm. And it's the couple, it's Andy and okay. his wife. <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember what their last name is. <laughs> they don't want a Vandy back. Oh, yeah. Because she failed. And they are looking for, maybe it isn't them. Anyway, wh- whoever the couple is, quick to anger. They have a dossier with their character defects. Mm. So they're like, oh, what about this one? She's very quiet. And Aunt Lydia's like, they don't want a handmade of color. <laughs> so anyway... That's great that we're getting a little bit so racism does exist. Um, you know, so holding steady on that B plus. That is weird. I don't know. I gave a B minus last time. <laughs> no, you gave him a B plus last time. I think if you if the court reporter reads it back, I gave him a B minus. Okay. But uh, I thought you said B plus. Maybe it's because I was thinking I would give him a C plus. Well, there you go. Round it up. Anyway, they're holding steady on whatever you said last time. <laughs> okay. Um because and they really are. By what happens in oh my god no and it's like okay cool like you're mentioning that racism still exists and then you do some racist ass shit so cool 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 cool. so anyway uh long story short cps takes ryan away and seems like aunt lady is recommitted to whatever regime she's committed to the next scene yeah because i again i don't think it's quite gilead except i did really want and i rarely want this kind of thing but i really wanted like the cps guy to be like hey uh you ever think about a career in dystopia? <laughs> You'd be real good at it. Um, <laughs> the next scene is June in the umbrella in the snow. Gorgeous shot. At, at this point, it's like every shot is gorgeous. The thing that makes me laugh about the cinematography of this scene, though, is you know somebody had to put a hat on a camera lens to get some of those shots where it looks like it's under the hat. So somewhere there's a camera that was just boop, 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 and it had a hat on. Give me that Pixar short please oh please 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 because we get and this is where we shift into a lot of pov shots we do and i also wonder if off matthew does what off matthew does because they didn't give her an umbrella everybody else (laughs) has an umbrella she didn't get an umbrella umbrella. (laughs) jesus christ and june gives this whole monologue about it's an acquired taste watching others in pain which is is interesting so we've turned june into a sadist very weird. And I just don't think it tracks with what we've seen from June. It doesn't track for what we've seen for other people who are in Gilead. It's very weird. I Like, yeah. she is enacting violence against someone who is in her exact same position. Yeah. And she's blaming this person for the problems that she has caused. Yeah. This person is receiving punishment. Yeah. That really really should have been visited on june yeah. june's not even pregnant anymore june is cracked in this episode totally cracked the next scene is i think they heard my note that i like scenes that take place I in know. the grocery store we're in the groceries are so much they I, they're really getting their money's worth out of this set because they go back to loaves and fishes aunt lydia kind of gestures for june to come over and they start having a conversation about how she preyed on the solution and she shouldn't be at the lawrence's anymore which like pick a 
this seems like a weird time to have this conversation right also like i like why would an aunt ever be at the store yeah like don't they have a martha for the rachel and leah center Ugh. And Janine goes up to Carol and is like trying to be nice to her. We saw her try to be nice to Carol earlier mm-hmm. and also to tell June to back off. And June was like, <laughs> and Janine said, don't be mad at her. She was just doing what Aunt Lydia said to do. And June's like, I know you are, but what am I? Basically. <laughs> and so, so I still don't understand where the fuck this comes from. I know. I- I, I mean, look, this we is, can all agree that canned lobster is an abomination. <laughs> I assumed it was some kind of like bisque. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's holding very tightly this support bisque. And um, <laughs> we get the kind of camera editing that's like, oh, shit's about to go yeah. down. She fucking hauls off and goes for Janine's she's other eyeball. She's beating the shit out of Janine, who has literally suffered enough. Yeah. So she really starts wailing on Janine with this can and then guardians come out and she goes, she smacks one of them. She grabs she the gun. She smashes him with a jar and you can see the glass sticking out of his throat. Oh no, oh no. I wasted so, kimchi. Hey, I have a gift for you. What? R.A.P. Doofy Guardian. <laughs> he didn't come up that much this season, but I do appreciate it <laughs> symbolically. R.A.P. Buddy. <laughs> I loved you so much. <laughs> Thanks, so, Kelly. I'll never be on your podcast again. <laughs> so she grabs the gun from him. And then we get this very first person shooter, like spinning shot of her going all around the store. And we get a little bit of scurrying Econo wives. And we get the handmaids ducking. And we get scary, scary Benary. Then she points the gun at June. And both Kelly and I were like, do it, do it. <laughs> That's how fucked up this show no, is. No, and then us. I was like, I swear to fucking God, if Aunt Lydia jumps in front of June to take this bullet, I'm out. Which is not what happened. And I wouldn't have been opposed to Aunt Lydia dying. Me neither. But then I was like, wait, they wouldn't have stabbed her last season to kill her now <laughs> and brought her back from the presumed dead. June does this thing with her eyeballs. <laughs> this was so, I'm making a guess. It was in, like, look. I don't know how you did this emos. It looks great. It makes no sense. But it's just like, it's, it's this very like puppet master look. She's like, yeah. Like, you're not the yeah. fucking Joker, yeah. June. It's really weird. It's so weird. And it's like, you didn't actually make this happen. Narrative economy even didn't make this happen. It just sucks. I just don't see the line from where we get Carol so pious. And then people were a little mean to her one That's time. And saying. she's like, fuck it. I hate Gilead you now. You know what it's like? It's like in Zoolander when Derek tries to be a coal miner. And like the first day he's like, <coughs> I got the black lung pop. And Christopher Walken just goes, or is it John Voight? Whoever um, plays his dad is like, you've been down in the mines one day. Uh, like, Carol, you've been around. Yeah. Carol's had a bunch of kids for Gilead. Uh, Carol should have a thicker skin than this. I'm just confused. So she looks like she's going to pop one on Aunt Lydia. And instead she gets popped by a guardian and goes down. And of course, Aunt Lydia is sad about this because it means essentially a baby died. Uh-huh. It reminds me of um, Mad Max Fury Road <laughs> when uh, Rosie Whittington, whatever the fuck her name is, you know, that uh-huh. one model. Yeah. Like she like dies and the baby yeah. 
was like fine but then they're like oh no he's dead yeah anyway this is a cool story i think that um we get unfortunately the reveal that carol is not her name her name is natalie and really aunt lydia screams natalie as she dies another thing that i think is beautifully shot in this episode is as they're sort of pulling the corpse of carol away there's a trail of blood but the blood has like a straight line between her legs so it's like an afterbirth it's also like the rope Exactly. I was going to bring that up. So it's beautifully shot. And God bless this actress who had to have like a blood pack on her ass just trailing behind her. You the real one. So yeah. And so, but then they pull a music cue on us. We we were so hopeful with the Fiona Apple last episode that maybe we were done with silly music cues. No friend. We were not. They will never be done. Like will never be the show will be canceled. What and they will just be like, here's a goofy music cue we didn't get to use on YouTube. What music cue do you think would be the absolute worst one to end this season on? The whole season? Yeah, let's just make a wild prediction. Fuck. I hate to put this in the universe because Bruce listens to this podcast, but just like if we're being (laughs) so silly, okay. What would be the worst song to end this series on, let's say? Uh The Real Slim Shady by Eminem. Because it would be like taking our note about hip hop <laughs> and giving us the finger. Hmm. I <laughs> Molly is losing I her shit. I can't wait. That okay, let me pitch you a final scene. June holding Hannah runs for the Canadian border. She's booking it. There's like guardians and dogs and all this shit after her. Should we get a tight close up on Emos's face? A gunshot rings out in the distance and all of a sudden it's like somebody once <laughs> told me the world was gonna roll me. I ate the shoppers tool in the shit. shit. Executive producer Bruce Miller. Okay. That's what I want. All right. Now that we have actual context, I'm going to change my answer. Okay. Same scene, holding (laughs) Hannah, running. You hear a shot ring out. I do run, run, run. I do run, run. Now that is more in Bruce's wheelhouse. (laughs) Um, So anyway, the song that plays is Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We get it. Also, whatever will be, will not be. How is June still alive? (laughs) All right. Well, Um, okay. Last point I'm going to make about this. All three of these characters we've pointed out, Lily, Francis, and Natalie, mm-hmm. all women of color, mm-hmm. all died in service of June's plotline. We don't learn their names, any of them, until they're dead. Yeah. I'm mad about that. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. Dudes, just please take it one step further. Like, do better. I mean, it's too late. They already wrote this whole season. Yeah. But it's like, if you're self-aware enough... To be like, oh, we got to put in a reference to racism. You know what's funny is they're going to hear this and take the note. And next season, every handmaid they introduce, they're going to be like, nice to meet you, Jessica, who I respect and who has strong characteristics beyond her race. Jessica, you are a great person. Anyway, back to Gilead. (laughs) (laughs) Now they just hire you. Yeah, perfect. Again, hire me as a TV writer. That's all I want. (laughs) All right. Well, that's the end of this episode. We love you. (laughs) Take care of yourselves. Take care of your girlfriends and Nolite Tabastardes Carborundorum. Dum dum da da dum dum da da dum 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 da da dum dum da da dum dum da da dum 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 d
Hey, Shrek was a bop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.